0: The Lutheran Hour, Bringing Christ to the Nations. The biographies of great people can inspire us to do better. However, Dr. Michael Ziegler says the biographies of Jesus do even more than that.
1: Many people have told me short summary statements about Jesus, but his biographies in the New Testament they do something more. They don't just tell, they show. They show his greatness and they offer me a life story I can truly get lost in.
0: How Jesus' life gives us new life, today on The Lutheran Hour. Hello, I'm Mark Eicher. Thanks for making this program part of your day. And thank you for your faithful support. Your gifts and prayers help the Lutheran Hour bring Christ to the nations and the nations to the church. Learn more at LutheranHour.org. Now, with today's message, here's our speaker, Dr. Michael Ziegler.
1: When I was little, I decided that I wanted to be a great runner. After I watched the movie Chariots of Fire, you remember it. First released in 1981, Chariots of Fire is a great movie, about great runners, with a great soundtrack to go with it. I was seven, maybe eight years old when I first saw it, and much of the movie's deeper themes were lost on me, but I recognized that there was something great about it. And the next time I was in a foot race, you know, I lifted my chin up, and with that soundtrack in my head, I ran. I ran like I was the the flying Scotsman. The flying Scotsman, that's what they called Eric Little, one of the main characters featured in the movie Chariots of Fire. Outside of the movie, I didn't know much about him, but recently I read a biography about him titled The Final Race by Eric Eichner. Eric's biography is one of those stories that you could get lost in. Eichner tells the story of what transpired after the events depicted in the movie. He tells how Eric Little, because of his gold medal performance in the 1924 Olympics, became one of the greatest, most famous athletes in the world. How the adoring world lay at his feet, and he could have practically anything he wanted. But Eric Little was in a longer race toward another kind of greatness. A year after the 1924 Olympics, Eric was 23 years old. He was in his prime, an all-star rugby player, an Olympic gold medal sprinter, a local hero, a global celebrity, a national treasure. But he left all that greatness and moved to Tianjin, China, where he had been born, where his parents, along with his brother and sister, were still serving as Christian missionaries. Like his parents before him, Eric would become a missionary. Teaching science, overseeing the sports program for young Chinese men, sharing and demonstrating the life-transforming love of Jesus Christ with them. When Eric had left Scotland for China, a crowd of adoring fans showed up at the train station to send him off, and some wished that he wouldn't go. But just before he stepped onto the train, he turned, faced the crowd, and shouted, Christ for the world, for the world needs Christ. And for the next 20 years, Eric served as a missionary teacher and was later ordained to serve as a pastor in China. He served the Chinese people as they were on the verge of revolution and civil war. He served when China was invaded by the empire of Japan in World War II, and he continued to serve when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, just after his wife and daughters escaped to Canada. But Eric and hundreds of other foreigners living in Japanese-occupied China were imprisoned in internment camps. And for the last four years of his life, separated from his family as a prisoner of war, Eric served his fellow prisoners, many of whom were children. He served them as a teacher, as a pastor, as a fellow worker and friend, He died of a brain tumor in the prison camp just before the war ended. He was 43 years old. Soon after Eric began serving as a missionary in China, a friend from Britain sent him a letter asking him what books he would like to be sent for him to read. Eric replied, The kind of books I would like most would be biographical. Books about the lives of great people. He said, I think that kind of book always helps one most to do better. See, a well-written biography doesn't just tell. It shows. That's why Eric wanted biographies. That's why I was reading Eric's biography. And that's why the first followers of Jesus of Nazareth quickly recorded his biography. Four of them, actually. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John these inspired biographies don't just tell us of Jesus. They show, and they continue to put before every reader and hearer the unique greatness of Jesus Christ. Before leaving for China, Eric and a pastor, friend of his, traveled throughout Britain. Thousands of people came out to see the Olympic champion, the flying Scotsman in person, and to hear what he had to say. On one occasion, Eric said to the crowd, many of us are missing something in life because we are after the second best. We are placing before you the things we have found to be the best. We are putting before you the one who is worthy of all our devotion, Jesus Christ, the one who can bring out the best that is in us. You see, for Eric, Jesus' biography was great on a different level. So I read this biography about Eric Little, and it showed me something that short summary statements about him couldn't. The book offered me a life that I could get lost in for a little while. Likewise, many people have told me short summary statements about Jesus, that he is fully God, and fully man, that he sacrificed himself on the cross, that he saves us in this greater exodus, uh, departure from the power of sin and death and the devil, and he lives to lead us into God's kingdom that will never end. All those short statements tell me the truth about Jesus. But his biographies in the New Testament, they do something more They don't just tell. They show. They show his greatness, and they offer me a life story I can truly get lost in. So listen with me to this portion of the Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter, and lose yourself with me in the life of Jesus. Now, when Jesus had gathered together the twelve, the disciples, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom, the rule and reign of God, and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic, And whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. And they set out and started going from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, Herod, the Tetrarch, the regional ruler, heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some people were saying John the Baptist had been raised from the dead and others that Elijah had appeared and others that one of the prophets of old had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this that I keep hearing such things about? And he was seeking to see him. Now, after the apostles, those who had been sent out returned They reported to Jesus what they had done, and Jesus took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowd learned of it, and they followed him, and Jesus welcomed them. He welcomed them, and he continued to speak with them about the kingdom, the rule and reign of God. And he healed those who needed healing. Now, as the day began to wear away, his disciples came and said to him, send the crowd away to the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and and lodging because we are in a desolate place. And Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men there. And Jesus said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And everyone was seated. And then Jesus, taking the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looking up into heaven, he spoke a blessing over them. And he broke the loaves and began to give them to his disciples to set out before the people. And everyone ate and was satisfied. And what was left over was taken up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Now it happened. When Jesus was praying privately and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered him. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and and others that one of the prophets of old has come back to life. And he said to them, What about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, The Christ, the, the Messiah of God. And Jesus strictly charged them and commanded them to tell no one, about this saying it is necessary for the son of man to suffer many things and to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and on the third day to be raised to life and he continued to say to all whoever wants to come after me must say no to himself, must deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Because whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. For what does it gain a person if he gains the whole world, but loses or forfeits himself? Because anyone who is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the rule and reign of God. Now it happened. About eight days after Jesus had said this, He took with him Peter and John and James and went up the mountain to pray. And it happened. While he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothing became bright, as bright as a flash of lightning. And look, two men were talking with him. Moses and and Elijah, and they were with him in glory, speaking with him about his departure, his exodus that he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now, Peter and those who were with him had been heavy with sleep But becoming wide awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the two men were leaving Jesus, Peter said, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what he was saying. And as he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were filled with fear as they entered the cloud, and a voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. And after the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept quiet, and told no one in those days, about what they had seen. And it happened the next day, when they had come down the mountain, a great crowd met him. And look, a man from the crowd shouted, saying, Teacher, I I beg you to look upon my son because he is my only child and look a spirit keeps seizing him and suddenly he cries out and it throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth and it hardly ever leaves him and is breaking him to pieces and I begged your disciples to cast it out but they did not have the power to do it. And Jesus answered, O oh, faithless and distorted generation how long am i to be with you and to bear with you bring your son here and as he was coming the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion but jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father and Everyone was astonished at the greatness of God. But while they were all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. And it was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about this saying. And then an argument arose among his disciples about which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side. And he said to them, Whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. For the one who is smallest, who is least among all of you, is the one who is great. Luke chapter 9. The Oscar-winning movie Chariots of Fire isn't just about Eric Little. It also tells the story of his friend and longtime rival Harold Abrahams. Harold, according to his biographer struggled with deep-seated insecurity for much of his life. Harold wanted to be the greatest. But no matter how hard he ran, he could never seem to finish that race. The end of Chariots of Fire shows the British athletes returning victorious from the Olympics on the train into London. A crowd of reporters and adoring fans are there to meet them as they exit the train, But Harold, if you remember, hangs back. And after almost everyone else is gone, we see him step out with an empty look on his face. Harold had just won the gold medal in the 100-meter race at the Olympics. They said he was the greatest, the fastest man on the planet. He'd been to the mountaintop. But now, back in the lowlands of everyday life, His high gradually gave way to an anticlimactic emptiness. There's something about reading a biography that can help you think about your own unfinished story. In that long valley of everyday life, why do I feel this emptiness? When you start to lose yourself in Jesus' biography, you can see your situation more clearly That emptiness comes from running after greatness on your own terms, whether it's the greatness of a gold medal or the greatness of power to help people or the greatness of a free lunch. The story of Jesus shows you why you can't outrun this emptiness because there are forces of evil compared to which we are the smallest and the least. And these powers have persuaded each one of us to pursue greatness on our own terms. They've imprisoned each of us in our own little insecure life stories. But Jesus' biography offers greatness on God's terms. To be great is to lose yourself in Jesus, to find yourself at his side. And in his name, Welcome other little ones there as well. After watching Chariots of Fire when I was a boy, I wanted to be great, like Eric Little. And now, all these years later, I got lost in reading his biography. Eric Little, the great, inspiring man who was praised as one of the greatest athletes on the planet, who traded fame and fortune for quiet, humble service who served even the smallest and the least hungry, lonely children, mostly forgotten in a wartime prison camp. Eric once wrote that the cross of Jesus and what has been done for us by God is far greater than anything we are doing. There was more to Eric's race that I didn't see at first at the center and on every page There was Jesus, Jesus with him on the mountaintop, Jesus with him through the valley, Jesus in the smallest and the least. It turns out I do want to be great, like Eric Little was great. I want to run that race with him. I want to be a little one at Jesus' side, and I welcome you to join us there as well. Please pray with me, Jesus, I am tired of running after greatness on my own terms. So let me lose myself in you, that I may live truly,
0: amen. You're listening to The Lutheran Hour. At LutheranHour.org, you'll find online resources, archived audio, our mobile app, information about our speakers, and much more. All of that at LutheranHour.org. And now we're back once again with our speaker, Dr. Michael Ziegler.
1: And first, I just want to congratulate you on 40 years of service with Lutheran Hour Ministries. That's impressive. Thank
0: well, you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, it's been a, a great blessing and and a real privilege to be working here with you and with all the other speakers over the years.
1: Your voice and your talents are a great blessing to, to the church. Well,
0: all, all glory be to God. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about what's coming up with your schedule here as we get into spring. I understand you'll be doing a little bit of traveling and visiting with some of our friends and listeners on the road in March
1: I'll be in Minnesota, southern part of Minnesota, Minneapolis area and then I get to go to Indiana I'll be a part of a of a banquet of an event at our seminary in Indiana Concordia Theological Seminary in April to Iowa and Tennessee in early May and and most of these are, like you said, visits with listeners but particularly a group called the the lutheran Laymen's league and as i say that i realize some of our listeners might not be as familiar with what the lutheran layman's league is how how would you describe the history of the lutheran Laymen's league and the lutheran hour
0: All right. the lutheran Laymen's league is an official auxiliary of our church body the lutheran church missouri synod and it predates the lutheran hour it was started back in 1917 and its goal at that time initially was to help the synod with a financial debt. And over the years, it's adapted and has found different ways of assisting the church body. And again, this is a movement of the laity, the lay people of the church.
1: Yeah, it's a grassroots movement now that's gone on for over 100 years. And, and I get to, to visit with those people and be encouraged by them in the ministry and, and hopefully encourage them as well.
0: What can we tell our listeners about what's coming up on the program in upcoming uh, weeks? We are going to continue
1: listening to the gospel according to Luke. We'll move now into the center of the book. Today, of course, is Transfiguration Sunday. It is the the high point in some ways. We, we're up on the mountain. We see Jesus in all his glory with Peter and James and John. But now we transition into the season of Lent, which is traditionally a a time of more serious reflection or sometimes even somber reflection on on our sin, on how we continue to fall short. We we come off the mountaintop back into the valley with Jesus.
0: And I think Lent is something that certainly has no connection <laughs> in our popular culture. People think of Mardi Gras, but the idea of Lent, that seems so foreign, I think, nowadays.
1: It is. It's strange to slow down and to think about where you fall short, to think about how you could um, return back to the basics, to repentance and faith, and that, and that. But that's what the Christian life is all about: is returning to those basics. Jesus said, "I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." And so that's what we do. It lent is a time to do that. So, like I said, we'll be listening to these passages from Luke chapter 11, 15, and 19 over the next few weeks. These will complement the lectionary readings. Those are the readings that are appointed in some churches in many churches. And then we get to the point in the Gospel of Luke where where the narration slows down. And he focuses on the last 24 hours of Jesus' life before he's crucified and risen from the dead. And that's typically called Holy Week, the, the Passion of Jesus Christ. I'm going to use a theme that I picked up from our friend, Dr. Jeff Gibbs, who we've heard from and we'll hear from again. And it's, it's from the, the book of Genesis, chapter 50, when Joseph's brothers come back and say they're sorry for all the terrible things they did to him. And you remember what he said? He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And we're going to use that as a way of reflecting on the events of, of the crucifixion of Jesus. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace.
0: Amen. This has been a presentation of Lutheran Our Ministries.